listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you this week on the podcast. It is Worship Wednesday. I'm back from Africa. I'm so sorry to leave you hanging uh, last Monday, to leave you podcastless, if that's a word. I was flying 24 straight hours back from (laughs) South Africa. Literally, I left after preaching Sunday morning. I flew out of East London on at about 5.30 p.m. Central African time, uh, which is about 11 a.m. Uh, East Coast time, 11.30 a.m., and flew to Johannesburg from Johannesburg 11 hours, more than 11 hours, like 11 and a half to London, England in the U.K., and then from London to Miami was like another 10 hours. I ended up getting back the very next day on Monday at about 3.30 in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, it was great to see my family. They picked me up, my kids, my wife, and um, happy to be home. We had a phenomenal time in uh, South Africa. Really, really amazing. God moved in a massive way. It was broadcast twice a day uh, live to over 70 million homes, 50 million on the continent of Africa, uh, over 18 million in the UK, 11 plus million in the US, it was phenomenal. And we had all kinds of testimonies coming back of healing, salvation, deliverance, wonderful, wonderful things. And I'm so thankful uh, that it went so well. And I know God was using that to touch people all over the world, literally in one week. And uh, I got the great opportunity to sit in with their band and singers who did an amazing job. And uh, I was so blessed to be a part of that. And the praise and the worship were amazing. If you ever want to go back and watch on our Facebook page, all the services are archived on our ministry Facebook page. And uh, I got to do all my favorite songs and learn some new ones. It was awesome. So I'm so excited. And uh, today I have got something awesome for you. <clears throat> Today's as a topic, as you saw from the title, three questions that you must answer in order to grow. Three questions that you must answer without question in order to grow. And these are three things that I really, uh, if you, if you listen to these relatively, uh, relatively regularly, you know, um, you'll know that one of the things that I encourage you to do, especially, uh, during these worship Wednesday episodes is that I'm always encouraging introspection. Um, I'm always encouraging you to uh, look at your life, look at your ministry, look at your gift, look at your calling objectively. One of the biggest things that I cannot stand is seeing people uh, go into a downward spiral because they ha- they've surrounded themselves with yes men, um, people that just always tell them they're awesome you know, how great everything was that they've done and all that. I don't want to hear any of that. Like literally, uh, and maybe it's just my personality type, but like anytime I do something, I have a specific list of people that I contact. (laughs) I mean, anything that I do, if I release something new, I have a specific list of people that I know are honest and that are my friend. 
and I will send whatever it was that I did to that person and I'll be like, okay, immediately tell me why this is horrible. Tell me what you hated about this. Like that's, that's the stuff I want to hear. I want to hear like what, what was horrible about what I just did? Like what turned you off? What did you think should never have been done in the first place? That to me, uh, is priceless information. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear yes men stuff like, oh no, everything you do is amazing. I I hate that because I know it's not true. Everything I do is not amazing. Everything you do is not amazing. So I'm always keeping people around um, that will honestly tell me like I never would have done that. You know, I would, that's, I would never have said it like that. I wouldn't have designed it like that. I wouldn't have released it like that. You know, I want to hear that stuff because what ends up happening is it keeps me in a place of introspection where I'm always analyzing myself and what I do. How could I do this better? How could I make sure that this has more excellence the next time I do it than I had this time? And obviously we're always pressing for the greater. I mean, we should always be doing that. Like literally, if you're not pressing for the greater, if you've gotten satisfied with where you are, uh, you'll never become great. Uh, I think back to the book that's been a bestseller in the business section forever. Uh, Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. And the premise is basically the reason that many companies never become great companies is because they're satisfied being good companies. And that is a principle that remains true no matter if you're a company, an individual, a ministry, whatever. If you become satisfied with your current state of production, then you'll never move to the next level. Uh, I was praying one time and the Holy Spirit said to me specifically, he said, be very careful about uh, acceptable success. He said, be wary of acceptable success. Because if you understand how God operates and how he works, he always has a next level for you. He always has increase for you. You'll never have arrived until Jesus comes. Proverbs 4.18, I quoted a lot. The path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. There is a plan of God to bring you constant increase for the rest of your life. Uh, You'll never you know, cap out or hit a ceiling where you can't go any higher. There's always another level of promotion and increase. So don't become satisfied with where you currently are. My grandfather used to say it in this way. He would say, I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. (laughs) I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. What that means is I'm happy about where I am now, meaning I'm thankful for where God's brought me from, and and where he's brought me to. However, I know this isn't the end. So although I'm currently satisfied, I still have a dissatisfied satisfaction, meaning I'll not set up camp here and stay here for the rest of my life. I will continually move forward. And it's impossible. Catch me when I tell you this. It is impossible to move forward constantly without introspection. If you will not examine yourself, examine your ministry, your call, your gift, your business, whatever it might be, examine yourself on a constant basis. And that's why today I'm going to give you three questions that I truly believe you've got to ask yourself if you want to 
grow, if you want to continue to increase in your ministry, in your call, whatever. And obviously, I'm taking it from a standpoint today of worship and worship leading because this is Worship Wednesday. However, these principles can be applied to you if you're a preacher, a pastor, uh, if you're a businessman, whatever you might do. These these things are not proprietary to worship leading or worship. They can be used in any arena. And so I want to start by question number one. And if you're taking notes, I would highly suggest you write these down. Question number one that you must ask yourself is what should I be focused on? That's question number one. What should I personally be focused on? And the reason I say this first is because there's a principle found in the word of God, Psalm 127 and verse one, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Meaning your work means nothing if you're not doing the thing God is in. So that's why first, you know, acknowledging your call, acknowledging your gift is vital at the outset because many people fail because they get caught up doing things that they were not called to do, caught up doing things they were not anointed to do. And so then what ends up happening is you start having to use your own human strength, your own human resources and everything else in order to try to make the thing work that you're doing, uh, even though God didn't call you to do it. And so when you do the thing God called you to do, then you don't have to burn out with your strength. He gives you strength. He gives you strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, the Bible says. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. So there's your promise right there, is that if you wait upon the Lord, many people will not wait on the Lord, meaning serve him, uh, wait, by the way, let me just break this down real quick. Um, when, when the Bible's there saying the word wait upon the Lord, it doesn't mean, you know, to wait on him, uh, as it were, like he missed the bus. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, that he, like he, like he's, you're, you had a, for example, that you had some kind of an appointment with him and he didn't show up on time. So now you're sitting there in the waiting room waiting. That's not what the Bible's trying to uh, teach us. And by the way, if you're looking for this uh, reference, it's Isaiah 40, 31. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Almost like a waiter would wait tables, you see. Wait upon the Lord. And so when you wait upon the Lord, what are you doing? You're actually serving him. You're serving him. So when we say wait upon the Lord, what we're really saying is get involved with or serve him in the thing that he's called you to do. See, let me actually read it to you in context so you know what I'm saying. Uh, The Bible says um, in verse 28 of Isaiah 40, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He is His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Verse 30, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted 
Look at this, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. So I want you to catch this today. God has a plan as you serve him. Put your faith in him. So the word wait for the Lord, you know, who have an expectation in him, who look for him and have their hope in him. That's the amplified version. Those who wait for the Lord, who expect him, who look for him and have their hope in him. So when you expect him, when you look for him, you hope in him, you're seeking him as God told Jeremiah seeking him. He said, when you search after me with your whole heart, you'll find me. So when you're doing that, you're following him, following his lead, following his instructions. So you're not doing anything in your own power or your own authority. You're doing what he instructs you to do as you search after him and as you uh, serve him. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord when he delights in his way. So your steps as someone who's been called by God, will be ordered by God if you're righteous, meaning you're searching after him. That's what Isaiah 40, 31 is talking about. People who are seeking after God. So question number one, what should I be focused on? This is why it's so important that we be involved constantly in prayer and fasting, that we all always are seeking the voice of God and wanting to know where he's called us, where he's leading us, and what we should be doing. Because it's a big mistake for us to get involved with things that we are not personally called to accomplish because we'll burn out, we'll be frustrated, and we'll end our ministries short uh, because we're doing something God didn't put us in place or position to do. I like what Bishop David Oyedepo has said for many years. He said, if God did not call us to do it, let it remain undone. If God can't give it to us, may we never have it. And if God did not tell us to go there, may we never arrive. That's their motto. Don't ever let me get involved with something God's not in. And it should be ours as well. What should I be focused on? So, uh, Here's the temptation, because many times people who are gifted, people who are called, don't just have one gifting. They have multiple giftings. And that's the. there's a big difference, by the way, between your calling and your gifting. For example, if I use myself as an example, not to you know, do anything other than give you, give you a, a picture of this, is that my ultimate calling is is to minister for the Lord. I've known that since I was five years old. My ultimate calling is to preach this gospel and minister for the Lord and to see you know, my generation changed by the power of God. But yes, I have a gift from God to speak publicly. However, it's not my only gift. I also have a gift from God to play instruments and to sing. I also have a gift from God that he gave me. I I didn't develop this. God did it to do graphic design and web design and video. And, you know, I have all kinds of gifts, but I only have one calling. That's why the Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. There is a calling, but there are many gifts that uh, will, for lack of a better term, back up your calling. 
So they'll basically, I like to say it this way, that you have gifts that will actually substantiate your calling. What, what you can see clearly is that the thing God has called you to do will be strengthened by the gifts that he's put in your life. So uh, as using myself again as an example, I have this call to minister to my generation and I have gifts that will help me to do that. You know, I can speak to them. I can sing and lead them in worship. I can play. You know, I can create pieces of materials, uh, you know, whether they be print materials, web materials, apps, whatever, that will speak to them uh, digitally or uh, in a physical form. So there's a lot of different gifts, but they all support my calling. But if I don't know my calling, the gifts don't matter because understand, I'll be kind of lost, wandering without direction. So the first question, if you want to grow, you must ask yourself, what should I be focused on? Because there are things you can, you can like to do, but there are things that you should be doing. I told, I've told people this for years, and it should be something you remember. There's a lot of things you could do, but there's only one thing you should do. There's a lot of things you could do, but there's only one thing you should do, and that's what God's called you to do. So if you want to grow, and I'm talking about, I'm going to get really nerdy on you here, really nerdy, but um, <laughs> this, may need, this may not even translate to everybody that listens to the podcast, but here, here we go anyway. Um, there, for example, when I was growing up, Let's pretend like it's not right now. Um, I was very, I love video games. And one of my favorite types of video games were games where you could control a character that would have attributes attached to him that you could level up through the game. Uh, some people call these role-playing games. Um, and those types of video games where you take control of a character and the choices that you make throughout the game um, increase the statistics in different areas of your character. Well, when you play a game like that, uh, obviously the nerdy people behind the scenes like me will figure out how to hack the system and, and figure out that if you create just the perfect kind of character for the type of character you want to play, there's something you can do called power leveling. And what that does is it allows you to make choices with your character that will make sure that with the, the least amount of effort your character will skip levels very quickly. So you, you obviously everyone starts at level one, but if you create a character that can power level, meaning that everything he does, those statistic points or experience points all go toward the main um, attributes that you're trying to level, then where other characters would have to spend five hours playing the game to get to level 10, you can do it in one hour because you're power leveling. And the reason you are able to power level, quote unquote, is because you've set it up to where everything you're doing is lending itself towards experience that will take your very focused character to the next level. I know that's a long way around uh, the bush to try to explain this to people that may not play role-playing games, but understand what I'm saying is that if you'll cut out the excess 
like these people do when they're creating characters for their games. If you cut out the excess out of your life and make sure that the only things you're doing are the things that are that you should be focused on to continue to grow substantially, then what ends up happening is you can create a ministry and a life where you're power leveling, meaning the more focused you get on something, the, the more quickly you can advance on that thing. I'll give you a, a more general example for people that didn't catch me in the video game example. Let's say that I did have like 20 things that I could be focused on, right? Let's let's say, for example, let's just take my life and say that I have a lot of things I could do that just don't benefit me, but but I can do them and I'm good with that. So I know that my ultimate calling is ministry, right? But let's just say that I have giftings in a lot of areas and I'm going to make some up that I don't even have, not even close. Let's say that I have a really great uh, understanding and a gifting with doing uh, like mechanic work. So I love to um, rebuild old cars, like old Chevelles and and Mustangs and and you know whatever. Uh, I, and I'm I'm good at that. I understand it. I understand how to uh, you know rebuild an engine block and all these different things. So I'm good at that. I've got a gift at it. I love it. Let's go a step further. Let's say that I also really know a lot about, I don't know, I'm just going to make, uh, you know, building hammocks. And it's one of my, it's one of my, uh, one of my loves to, to, you know, cut custom wood and, and do the, the netting you know, by hand or whatever it might be. And I could even make money selling these custom made hammocks to people or whatever. I've got all these different gifts, but also I could play the piano. I'm really good at playing the piano and all this. Well, now you narrow it down and this is how you power level. I look at my calling because your calling determines what you do with your time and your gifting. So I know my calling is ministering the gospel to this generation. Well, you then look at your giftings and you say, okay, I'm really gifted with mechanic work. Yes, I'm really gifted in doing these uh, other projects like building hammocks and, um, you know, I'm, I'm great at painting pictures and wh- whatever it might be. And I'm really good at playing the piano. Well, I look at that and say, which of these will actually further my ministry? Well, unless I'm called to like, as a ministry, fix people's cars for free, the mechanic one's not going to help me. Um, building hammocks is not going to help me in my calling to minister to this generation. Um, whatever else, painting, you know, doing great paintings of landscapes and portraits, not going to help my ministry. But I look at, at playing the piano and ministering in music and say, okay, well, there's something that actually does directly affect the, my ability to minister to people. So in, in essence, what you would do, and this is called the Pareti principle, if you've ever heard of it before, it's that you spend 80% of your time on the, on the 20% of things that uh, impact your business calling ministry whatever the most they that produce the most fruit for you so i would say okay piano is going to help me more than any of those other gifts so i'm going to spend 80 percent or more of my time focused on developing that gift over the other gifts and see now i understand and know where i should be focused and because i do i have the ability to quickly level up a gift that's going to directly affect my calling. And so now I'm, I'm not going to waste my time doing things like 
mechanic work and uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying mechanic work is, is worthless I'm saying in this instance you know it, it's it's not going to matter to me because it doesn't directly affect my calling so I'm going to cut out the excess and determine what should I be focused on and I begin to realize these gifts will power level my calling whereas these gifts just spread me thin and I'm, I'm focused on so many things that don't matter that I can't properly grow in my ministry. And this is something that is evidenced, by the way, in the book of Acts. And the problem that they had in the book of Acts was that they had so much stuff going on in their in their ministries, you know, that they didn't have time. The apostles themselves didn't have the time to do all the busy work and all of the things that it took to substantiate the the establishing of the Christian church um, that they had to begin to delegate. So, for example, in the book of Acts, at the beginning, they're, they're talking about, you know, they found themselves in a place where they've got a food distribution thing set up, and they're like, okay, we've got, we've got widows that need food, we've got people that need to be taken care of, all these different things are happening, but we can't do it all. See, and this is found in Acts chapter six. Let me read it to you. I'll read you verses one through four. The Bible says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Verse two, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Do you see this? It's not that those it's not that the 12 apostles couldn't have served tables. It's not that they couldn't have done other things, but they're saying it's not right because we're having to step away from our calling and be spread thin to do things that that shouldn't be consuming our focus. So what did they do? Verse 3, therefore brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of the spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word so that's a principle that the that the disciples the apostles of the church had to put into place they had to focus on what they were called to do and then delegate what should not have been eating up their time so if you're a worship leader, for example, at a church, you say, oh, man, I got a bunch of stuff stealing my time. I have to, you know, first of all, I have to go get the CCLI licenses for the songs. I have to go into pro presenter. I have to fill out all the songs. I have to put the lyrics in, whatever. I have to go and find good backgrounds. I got to design backgrounds or, or download backgrounds for the Sunday morning worship sets and like blah, blah, blah. And it's just one thing after another is taking you away from what you should be doing. Delegate that stuff. Like, well, nobody understands in the church these programs except me. Teach them. You had to learn. Teach them too. And stop letting things eat up your time and take away from your calling because you wouldn't delegate something that you should have delegated. What should I be focused on? That's number one. Number two, where do I lack? This is a big one. So you have things that are part of your purpose, part of your calling that maybe you're not the best at. And you have to say, okay, I know what I should be focused on, but in that range of things that I should be focused on, I recognize that I'm not the best. So here's instances where you've got some gifts 
that will benefit you for your calling. And then you've got, you're lacking other gifts that would, you know, benefit what, what God's called you to do in your calling and in your purpose. So what do you do? Well, there are several things you could do if you want to grow. Um, one of the things you can do, and this is a commonly held um, principle and understanding within uh, the, the secular business world, is that they, they have a phrase where they say, staff your weaknesses. Staff your weaknesses. If you're not good at something and don't have the ability to, to necessarily do it, rather than taking all the time necessary, find someone who's excellent at that and make them part of your team. And when they become part of your team, they, you know, obviously they gain your heart and you're working towards a common vision. But if it's going to eat away and you know it shouldn't be your focus, you're lacking a gift, what do, where do I lack? Then you know what? Find somebody. I'll tell you. Um, and, and you know, we're always pressing to increase. And before I give you this story, I'll, I'll tell you this, the second half of this is if you're not going to staff your weaknesses, then you need to do everything you can do to develop that gift in that area of your life uh, to carry out your calling. So where, where do I lack? Where do I lack? Well, when I first started in worship, you've heard me tell this before, I was great at musicianship. I was great at the keyboard part, the chord charts, the writing chord charts, the teaching the band, arranging the band, doing everything I needed to do musically. Where I lacked was uh, in determining harmonies for my choir and my singers. I really lacked in that area. And I mean, I struggled with it so badly that I would be so unprepared sometimes when the team would come in for practice and rehearsal and it would be embarrassing that they just knew that I wasn't ready, but I was not good. I didn't have the gift at that time to just hear it, to just easily hear the harmony parts and stuff that they should be learning. And that really, really bothered me and made me feel embarrassed because it's something that did have to be done. It's not like you can cut harmony parts out from your praise and worship. I mean, you don't want your entire choir and singers all singing unison for the rest of their lives. Then harmonies need to be there. I was just not gifted in that area of hearing the harmonies, teaching the harmonies. I was weaker in the vocal gift than I was the music gift. So after months and months and months, probably years, to be honest with you, because I was young and dumb, um, I finally got to the place where I would say, you know what? I, I accept this fact that I'm not where I need to be. And I would take ladies from the choir who were much better than I at determining and hearing the harmonies. And you know what I did? Put them in charge of teaching harmony parts to the choir. If we want to grow, something has to be done so that we can run smoothly like a well-oiled machine. And if I wasn't getting it done, then the key is find somebody that's part of your team or add someone to your team that will benefit you in a place where you're lacking. And that's so vital that you catch that. Find somebody, staff your weaknesses, get somebody in there that's going to help you, make them part of your team that's going to help you where you're lacking. Or take the necessary steps and time to teach yourself and train yourself in the gift. And that's that's basically where I, I go now. Um, and I'm telling, that's why I, I harp on the, on the wonderful resource of YouTube so often. See, back when I first started, obviously YouTube wasn't available. Um, I graduated from Bible school in 2002 and I, I went on staff at the church and started teaching and doing all that I was doing. 
Um, YouTube didn't launch until 2006. And even then it was bare bones. It's not like it is now, um, you know, 13 years later at the time of this recording where it's just chock full of content that can help anyone do anything at all. That was not the case back then. But now we've got no excuse. There are so many resources that we have to teach these things and to learn and go next level. Um, that it's not the same. You could spend the time, and that's what I do now. If there's any area of my um, life where I feel like, man, this gift needs to increase, you ask Carolyn, man, I'll just hammer it. Like I'll hammer it for a week straight until I've like mastered the thing in my mind. I'll stay up till 5 a.m. in the morning on my laptop, tablet, phone, whatever, watching tutorials on how to do it, you know, how to do it better, whatever. I'll develop the gift in me if it's not there. By the work of, of the Holy Spirit, you know, he teaches us all things. He anoints our minds with the mind of Christ. So I can learn anything in Jesus' name. And I'll just develop, develop, develop my gift until it's there and ready to rock and roll. So I want to say number two, that you have to ask yourself the question, where do I lack? And the answer is one of those two things. You either need to add someone to your team that... Um, will cause you to grow or develop the gift that you need uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit that will help you go to the next level in that area of your ministry, your calling, whatever. So number one, first thing, what do I focus on or what should I be focused on? Number two, where do I lack? And then number three and the final question that you need to ask yourself is what can I do better? Here's a big one that I don't think anyone ever stops to think about. I mean, I'm not saying anyone people do. I'm sure there are many people do, but it's it's it frustrates me when I when I see people not doing that. And let me give you an example. Many many times we once something's over, once it's done, uh, we just don't take the time to reevaluate what we did. To you know, because we get this mindset like, well, that's done. Let's move on to the next thing. Reevaluate what you did, how you performed, what happened through your efforts. And once you reevaluate it, you need to look at the negatives. Thank God for the positives. Celebrate them. You know, celebrate them. It's not wrong to celebrate with your team on the things they did right. In fact, if you don't do that, you'll burn your team out just constantly having them work and then criticize, work and then criticize. Even if it's constructive criticism, it's too much to just work and then be criticized every time. People need to be praised. And I don't mean we're taking God's praise. I mean, you know, people need to be thanked. They need to be encouraged is probably a better word. So it's not wrong to celebrate uh, your wins as you continue to complete things. But on the other hand, don't spend so much time celebrating your wins when there are glaring, obvious things that need to be fixed that you never focus on those things and say, how can we improve this? So what I mean by that is, let's just say, if you went back as a, a, let's say I'm speaking to worship leaders right now, if you went back and listened to yourself recorded, whether it was the live stream or regular in-house video or just the audio only of your service, go back and listen to yourself and say, you know what, what could I do to do this better? I was, I was in a service one time and I, I was the guest speaker at that meeting. I was having a revival and they were doing their praise and worship service and they were putting up um, the words, and I forget what they were using, some program to put words on the screen, and they had a massive tech failure. 
you know, in, in the service. And I mean, all kinds of just, it just was horrible. All kinds of issues with their system. And we went to lunch afterwards. And um, they were the, the team was sitting there with me at lunch and talking to me. And they said, you know, oh, oh Brother Ted, we're so sorry that happened today. Uh, we're so embarrassed. And I uh, can't believe that it, that it happened. I said, well, that's okay. I said, but let me ask you a question. They're like, yeah, yeah, what, what is it? Really? I said, here's your question. I understand it happened, but that's over. But now the question is, what strategies have you put in place from today that ensure that that will never happen again? And they kind of looked at me with almost like a, a blank stare, like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? What I mean is, yes, the mistake took place, but now that it has taken place, what did you do in the aftermath to make sure that it will never happen again? And this is question number three. What can I do to improve? The question I'm, I'm asking is this. First of all, introspection says, what caused this mistake to happen? What caused me to have a lack of excellence in these moments? What, where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? Like, and once I determine why the problem took place, then you have to ask, why did that happen? For example, let's say, okay, uh, let me just use what I used as the example. The, what it, let's just call it ProPresenter. It wasn't, but let's just say that's the program they were using. Um, just crazy thing went off and all the wrong stuff on the screens and stuff that didn't even look right, stuff that was sometimes their desktop of their computer was showing on the overheads and just was horrible. Okay, that's the mistake. And we understand that that happened. Now, here's the next question. Why did that happen? could be many things. Was there a computer glitch? Was there operator error? More than likely. You know, what, what was it? Somebody that didn't know how to run the program is what I mean. Okay. So if it was a computer glitch, number one, then your next question is, why is my computer glitching? Is there too much stuff on the hard drive, you know, and the virtual memory is being eaten up? Do I not have enough RAM to run this program? You know, a lot of questions go into that, troubleshooting. If it's operator error, you ask yourself, well, do, has this person gotten enough training? Do they even know what they're doing up there? I mean, like, how do we know, you know some crazy thing's not going to show up one Sunday on the screens? So when you determine, yes, we had the problem, now we're determining why the problem took place. The second question is, what are we doing to make sure that never happens again? So if it's a computer glitch, do you need to buy a new computer? Do you need to clear, clean off the hard drive? Do you need to add more RAM to the computer? If it's operator error, do you need to give that person more training? Do you need to, is the person, you know, do, do we feel, and I don't ever think this is the case. So I don't ever say people are, are incapable of learning because if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got the ability to continue to learn forever. But some people just don't want to submit to the Holy Spirit and don't want to learn. They're lazy. And that's very hard to train someone out of laziness. So the second question is, if I can't get the person more training, do I find someone else to help me? See what I mean? So that when you find yourself realizing I need to improve in certain areas, the question you should have is, how do I improve? What are the steps that I can actively take today to make sure those things never happen again. Um, you know, 
messed up the words, you know, performing live on Sunday morning, doing the worship, completely forgot a whole verse of the song and had to pretend like I was really getting touched by the Spirit, had to lift my hands and just tell everybody else to lift their hands. In reality, it wasn't a worship moment. I forgot the entire verse. (laughs) You don't think I've seen that happen? It's happened often. And the question you have to ask yourself is, well, what do I make sure that I do? Does there need to be an iPad stand on my mic stand so that I can have my my words right in front of me? Do we have a cheat sheet monitor in the back of the room where I'm looking at the words on the screen? Um, you know, Do I need to just spend more time memorizing the songs we're doing? So you understand, make a plan so that you continue to increase and don't keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. I go to churches and it's like every Sunday there's feedback in the same area from the microphone. It's like, dude, when are you going to realize that that's a hot spot on your platform or a hot spot on your floor and, and to stop walking in front of it with the microphone or just learn. Maybe there's like, you know, one, one of the things that happens is that people don't properly equalize their rooms. So you have, you have, you have, and this is going to be above some people's heads that are listening, but you have frequencies that are dominant in a room so that whenever a frequency, like for, uh, for those of you that don't understand, have you ever sang in the shower before? And when you're singing, it's almost like one of the notes that you sing overtakes the whole shower and like reverberates in that shower. It seems louder than all the other notes. That's because that that frequency in that room resonates like no other frequency. And that happens in church sanctuaries. And it's like, dude, if you don't EQ those frequencies out of the room, you're going to keep having feedback over and over and over. So get somebody in there with a brain that understands, you know, it's like, I don't know why we've at this place where like Christians don't want to pay money for anything. Go to Guitar Center, find a dude that does live audio, or get a you know some kind of a recommendation. Have them come into your church on a Saturday afternoon and pink the room, and and uh, you know equalize your room and dial those frequencies out. And, you know, make sure those things stop happening because the more you can do like that and remove distractions, the more people won't get snapped out of reality when the Holy Spirit's touching them. We're supposed to be removing distractions from people's lives so they can be touched by God, not adding more distractions. So see, the question we have then is, how do we make sure this never happens again? You see, so the three things we're covering today, very, very important. What should we be focused on, number one? Where do we lack, number two, and what can we do better, number three, or what? how can we make sure that these mistakes we're making never happen again? These three things will cause you to continually grow in your gift, in your calling, week after week after week after week. And remember this, motivation gets you started, but discipline keeps you going. Everybody can get on the bandwagon when they're excited about the project. But discipline in your life will keep you moving forward when the motivation's gone. And you've got to establish that. And discipline is, is, is a ramification of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. My flesh does not determine whether or not I press into my gift. It is my self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, that keeps me pushing my gift forward and advancing what God's called me to do. I love you guys. I appreciate you listening again today. I want to pray for you before we go and uh, ask God that he would continue to increase your gift, your talent, your calling, and wherever you've been called to, 
to manifest his presence and power on the earth. Father, in Jesus' name, use every one of these people that are listening. I pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint their minds to know what they do not know, increase their gifts. Father, activate their callings like never before. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'd promote them as they dedicate themselves to your kingdom. Promote them in this month in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we've created a way to help you guys do these things. We want to be a help to you, and we call it Southeast Worship Summit. It's coming up in less than a month. If you don't yet uh, have plans to be here in South Florida, make plans. Register for free online today at southeastworship.com. It's May the 7th through the 10th, 2019. We want to see you here. All the info you need is at the website, southeastworship.com. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. It's going to be phenomenal. Listen, until next time, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.